Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and the Seattle Seahawks are facing off against the Los Angeles Rams once again for the second time of the season. The Seahawks 10-2, and the Rams at 7-5, and and here to join me to talk about it, Bear Motter of Locked On Rams. Bear, how you doing? I'm doing good. And, you know, as this game approached, I'm doing better and better as now I have some excitement and, you know, hope of uh, the Rams competing and, and making a run for the playoffs. If you asked me this a couple of weeks ago, I was maybe dreading this conversation with you because uh, I didn't know what we were going to be talking about and how the how things were going to play out. But, man, as this is shaking up and getting closer and closer, it's looking like every time we meet up a very good game uh, just ahead of us. A rough couple weeks, uh, especially going into that game against the Cardinals, but I, I imagine you're feeling pretty good coming out of that Cardinals game. I want to talk about that, but I have to imagine too, Bear, uh, with this game against the Seahawks and the Vikings, I, I have to think that you turned into a Seahawks fan for just for just a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I definitely did. And and it was confusing the heck out of my girlfriend as she's sitting here. What are you doing? Jumping up and down for big plays and getting mad at the Vikings. And, you know, I had a lot of fantasy implications going on. I needed Dalvin Cook not to do much. And, and thankfully, uh, it sounds like he's OK, but he didn't play any of the second half really other than a fumble, which also helped out the Seahawks. So uh, I was very into this game and uh, like very Seahawks fashion, they wanted to make sure I watched all four quarters. They, they were not ready to let me go in the third quarter and said I had to hang on and see how this thing ended up but it was a great game and uh, yes a weird way of sitting here and uh, rooting big time for the Seattle Seahawks but it worked yeah because obviously the Rams you want them to get in the playoffs there's that that chance that all three playoff teams could come out of the the two wildcard teams could come out of the NFC West along with the division winner. You have to see Minnesota uh, go down just to, to get that much closer and the Seahawks able to do that. And you were able to pull within the Vikings because you got a big win against the Cardinals last week. Where were games like that all season for the Rams? Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I look back to a couple of those Vikings games. Uh, they had one against the Broncos where they were down uh, almost like they were down to the Seahawks, but they came back and won that game. If the Broncos and a former Rams quarterback, Brandon Allen, was quarterbacking at the time and, and just blew it uh, way to kind of get back to his old team there. But, uh, yeah, watching the Vikings, they've got a couple tough games coming up. And really, I mean, this thing can turn around quickly. Uh, there's a lot on the line this week for a lot of teams. But if you're looking at the Rams, Seahawks, Niners, uh, with a Rams loss, the Niners and Seahawks clinch a playoff position. Uh, and with a Rams win and a Vikings loss, we jump right into the playoff mix and we're in the sixth seed. So it's crazy how much things can shift from one ball game or one week to the next. But uh, if you're looking at uh, for the Rams here, we're in a one week at a time, very Sean McVay-esque, very head coach-esque, right? Looking at the game of hand and really what you can control. And that is the Seahawks this week. And, you know, looking in past years, especially in the past four years, uh, you know, it's come down to a one possession and really for the Seahawks, that's almost every game for them this year. So you expect it to be close. You expect it to be good and probably uh, some strain on the heart for either team this week. Well, the, these games, Bear, they have been close and there's an expectation among the Seahawks players that if, if, if it is a close game, they're going to be able to pull it out. And I have to wonder if opposing teams see that too if they see holy smokes you know these guys are always in these close games they have Russell Wilson you know does that instill a little bit of fear in the team that maybe we we don't want this to be close going down the stretch in the fourth quarter 
Yeah, I saw a tweet from RJ Bell, who's kind of like a numbers guy in Vegas. And obviously, we know the Seahawks are 10 and 2 in one possession games this year, but they've outscored their opponents by only 36 combined points this season. So, uh, in the last 30 years, they're the first NFL team to have 10 wins by the 12th week without outscoring opponents by three or more points per game. Uh, they do keep it close. And as a Rams fan, and, and probably as this team, you understand if this is a close game, uh, they're going to scrap and, and, the numbers right now have shown to be in their favor. It wasn't too long ago that last year, I think the Rams were eight and one in, in one score games. This year has been a little bit different of a script. So uh, knowing what they come from, knowing kind of the core on that team, some of the veterans, I think that they can really dig down and kind of pick back up where they left off or at least believe in themselves to say, hey, we can win these type of games too. Also Seahawks undefeated on the road. I mean, those things play into me and your head. I'm just curious what the coaching staff, the players, uh, especially when you're looking and focusing on a playoff run, if that really creeps in at all. But for me and you, it definitely does. And it's <laughs> definitely going to freak me out if we're, you know, if we're in a one score game late in the fourth and Russell Wilson gets the ball with under four minutes to go, I'm going to be in a little bit of a panic mode, but uh, we're going to need either a big play from our defense or best case scenario for the Rams. We just come out and, and get ahead by, you know, double digits and, and let the defense kind of, you know, get to work and, and close that thing out. But one score game with the Seahawks definitely, uh, you know, gets you to start thinking, especially the way that they played this season. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that Cardinals game, though, because was that a case of the Rams showing up and, and just playing at their best? Or was that a case of maybe the Cardinals not showing up? Yeah, man, that is the big question for us right now, because there hasn't been a lot of consistency for the Rams for us to really look back and go, oh, well, we've done that a handful of times this year and it's just us getting back on track. So, you know, there's not that data behind us to kind of lean on and say, yep, that's that's the offense we know and love this year. I mean, that's the offense we knew and love last year uh, and it finally showed up here. But you, you started to see even McVay called himself, you know, basically said uh, getting Todd Gurley the ball compared to earlier in the season is really just him not being an idiot anymore. Uh, and you think that he's got to continue to involve Todd Gurley because the involvement of Todd Gurley has really helped out Jared Goff. And going back to last year, you really saw that. The more that they ran the ball first, it allowed for the play action, allowed for Jared Goff not to just have to drop back and throw the ball, which is, you know, as a, as a Rams fan and as covering the Rams and seeing them give all that money, you wish that he could developed to that point and hopefully that's kind of the trajectory that he's going to be going uh, but right now he needs some of that running game and the offense aligned with the musical chairs that we've had as far as who's been starting and who's been injured and and getting you know rookies in there consistency has been key for this team so coming off that big performance where he threw for over 400 yards in three quarters and we got Tyler Higby involved in the tight end position and finally got him going run the ball 19 carries for Todd Gurley 95 yards uh, so if we start to get a bounce attack again and not have to just rely on our three wide receivers and Jared Goff to just throw it in two seconds and hope that someone's there. Um, you know, I think that's a big part of it. And really our defense last six games other than that Ravens game has been playing lights out. They've only allowed an average of one offensive touchdown per game in the, in that six game stretch other than that Ravens game. But uh, so it's the combo of both of them, but yeah, there's definitely some encouragement there because you start to see how this offense could look and what you, what you thought it would look like. So uh, I like that it was last week and it wasn't three or four weeks ago. And we're saying, how do we, get it back at least it's right there uh then we have somewhat of a confident group coming back to home uh with seeing that our offense can move the football well and one thing pete carroll said was it was a big help for him 
for to see the Rams put their best game on tape uh, against the Cardinals. So I do kind of appreciate that, that going into this game, they can look at that and say, see, th- this is the Rams that we know in the past, and you know it's going to be a tough game. And you mentioned the Ravens. Well, one big difference between that Rams defense the first time we played and the Rams defense now, Marcus Peters traded to the Ravens, but now you got Jalen Ramsey back there. How is how is that transition gone? You know, it's it's gone. It's it's weird because if you look like just at Jalen Ramsey's stats, they're they're not the greatest. You know, his his completion rate when being thrown at, I think, is over seventy five percent right now. Uh, but he's brought an attitude and a swagger. Not saying that Marcus Peters didn't have an attitude and a swagger, but Jalen Ramsey is one of those guys where he's going to stick his head in there. And he's, I mean, his first play, uh, his first game of the season, uh, he popped out a fumble with a huge hit. We've seen that kind of consistently since he's been here. Um, and it's really thrown other guys into the mix like Troy Hill, who's played extremely well. And Nikel Roby Coleman continue to play well. Uh, Taylor Rapp's getting more playing time. And they've really been able to switch up their style of defense. They were doing a lot of zone coverage. Uh, and, you know, with Marcus Peters back there was a lot of guessing games. And we saw even I think it was last year uh, where Russell Wilson used his eyes a lot on Marcus Peters and was able to move him around, even though Marcus Peters did get that pick six as Baltimore right. against Russell. But, um, you know, it's it's been weird it's a good transition uh i still think we can see more from jalen ramsey i don't think we've seen the best from him yet but what he's brought and really kind of uh been able to kind of fit in so quickly last year it was dante fowler we got mid-season kind of jumped in and then we've really seen how dante fowler's grown over the offseason and into this season so we're kind of hoping jalen ramsey the more time he's here the more comfortably gets in uh start working more with those guys like eric weddle and that secondary uh so good signs for us but i think there still can be better from him uh but the you've seen it like i said over the last six games the defense has really really become almost to that elite part they have kind of crept into that uh you know top five discussion as far as what they've done and points allowed and uh yards per loud and all that type of stuff so uh hopefully that continues on sunday well i am kind of curious to know how this rams defense is going to attack the seahawks offense because what we saw from the Vikings, it's it's as though they decided to to take away the deep ball from Russell Wilson in that game, and and they did a great job of that. There was really that one deep pass to David Moore where he got by Xavier Rhodes and had no help on the back end, and that was that was the one deep pass that Russell Wilson threw all day. But it was the running game. The Seahawks took full advantage with Chris Carson going off with Rashad Penny. You know, both those guys, thirty eight carries between the two of them. I I'm curious to know how the Rams they they're going to approach the Seahawks offense now. Yeah, it's, it's really a, a pick your poison, right? Because if you try to stop the run game and you give Russell Wilson those extra couple seconds to even, you know, go to that secondary play that he is so great at. And we even saw in our first matchup where you thought you had him contained. You're looking at him thinking, OK, here comes a sack. He rolls out. You almost think you sack him again. He throws it in that corner end zone for maybe still one of the top three catches of the season <laughs> where with that toe tap. So, you're, I mean, even when you think you got him, you don't have him. So I think it's really, again, it's the containment and making him make a throw as soon as possible, right? We don't want him running back there. And, and we see where it gets him in trouble, too. I think it was late in that game where he tried his little, you know, patented spin move twice and then ended up tripping. Uh, and it was a big 12, 13-yard loss or whatever. And you guys had to punt. Um, but, 
Most of the time it works out for them. I think the Rams have to figure out a way to stop the run for sure. Uh, We've seen when the Niners came into town, they were the number one rushing offense at the time. We held them under 100 yards. Uh, We thought that was going to be the game plan versus the Ravens. They went for over 275 yards on us. And and I think that was almost, uh, we talked about yesterday on Lockdown Rams, that maybe that loss was one of those things that this defense and team needed to kind of that wake up embarrassing call to say like, hey man, you know, you always look where you got to undefeated sometimes undefeated team people are like should we lose one to kind of get that taste and you know we've lost plenty this year but I think that one really hurt and it kind of bounced us back on the right track uh, but I think stopping the run has got to be important because it's everything for for really building up what Seattle does even going into that deep ball when Russell Wilson got it um, you know they're kind of syncing up and he had a guy go over the top and there was a miscommunication and, and that ball was perfect so uh, it's it's a tough pick your poison I think you got to start with slowing down the run and then really just uh, what we did with Kyler Murray we saw a lot of edge presence uh and then really keeping them in and making them either go step forward in the pocket but don't let them get outside uh because that's where Russell gets really dangerous it's a tough challenge and I'm glad I'm not a defensive coordinator and I'm sure everyone in in Rams Nation is going to be picking it apart if it's not working but this is a tough challenge coming in because you said two-headed monster and then Russell Wilson uh throwing the rock it's uh you know it's it's a tough matchup for sure yeah absolutely and I I always kind of laugh when I hear you know wanting to keep Russell Wilson inside the pocket because even in that situation, it's kind of a pick your poison type thing because he can be so dangerous from inside the pocket. But I think what you're, you know, when when you're talking about trying to contain him there, you're trying to keep him to more of those shorter throws rather than when he breaks out of the pocket and he's looking for those big explosive plays down the field. So it, it is kind of a pick your poison type situation in that case as well. Oh, a hundred percent. You're right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, if, if, if you have your way, he would just, you know, three-step drop and hit a slant and then you'd call that a win, uh, which is kind of funny to think because you're right. When he gets outside the pocket, uh, it's, you know, the mix of using his feet and picking up 15 yards and, and damn, he's been a good slider as of late, man. He's getting down. He's not letting you hit him. Uh, he's taking care of that football, all those things you like to see from your quarterback. And then, you know, if you try to step up and make a play, uh, he will wait to the very last second to do either, you know, a cheeky backward handed pass or even just look deep down the field. So, uh, you never know how to play him at that line of scrimmage. Cause he can do both. All right, Bear, I want to take a quick break, come back, and I want to talk about the state of the Rams' offensive line as well as get into some of the the disparity between the Rams' home and away record. So we'll do that when we come back from the break. Talking to Bear Motter of Locked On Rams going into this Week 14 matchup against the Los Angeles Rams. Just four games left on the schedule for both teams. The last quarter of the season... And Bear, I'm curious about what's changed from our first matchup to to now. And it seems like the Rams have had a lot of struggles on the offensive line, particularly with injuries. Uh, what's what's kind of your uh, your picture of the offensive line right now? Yeah, the picture is ever changing. Um, it it is. It's been a development along the way. We've had. I mean, we went out and traded for Austin Corbett, thinking he was going to be a developmental guy and someone maybe for next year. Uh, a couple weeks later, he's being plugged in at left guard. Rob Havenstein, a guy that we signed a big contract to a couple of years ago at right tackle, had been playing really well in the past couple of seasons and has playing god awful this season. And in a weird way, he got hurt, and most fans were like. 
yeah, that might be a good thing, you know, get him out of there. And, you know, cause they weren't with the paycheck he was making. Uh, it wasn't looking like he was going to get benched. And we've seen a couple rookies step up guys that were taken third, fourth round. And, and maybe later David Edwards and Bobby Evans, uh, two guys that again, kind of looking at, you know, stacking them up and getting some experience because we had guys like Brian Allen and Joe Noteboom. Uh, so those guys were expected to play, but haven't played well. Noteboom went out for the season. Uh, we saw Austin Blythe also go out for the season. So we need to just call on anybody and everybody that was, you know, big 300 pounder and, and in a Rams helmet. So that's been Bobby Evans and David Edwards. Edwards had been playing pretty well, and he's actually played three positions on this line so far since he's been inserted into the lineup. But last game, he had four penalties, uh, but still in a weird way, it's been better what, than what we've gotten in the past. Uh, Bobby Evans, big surprise at right tackle, and really we're hoping Rob Havenstein's day-to-day, and uh, you know I'm hoping it's more week-to-week, and you know we'll bring him in and, and help in, some, in the coaching <laughs> rooms or something, because uh, what Bobby Evans has done has been great so far. So I don't really want to mess with it up front right now. We're finally seeing some protection and thankfully again going back to working the run game and taking some of the pressure off those guys instead of these pass rushers knowing what we're doing and you know uh, we've been stuck in a lot of third and long so very very much obvious passing downs and uh, so with that and then moving Jared Goff I think has got to help we've been kind of rolling him out a little bit I think we got to continue to do that he's not the most mobile quarterback he's not going to extend the play like Russell Wilson uh, so we got to give him some opportunity to get away from that rush and have time to throw so the mix of all those things has helped them out uh, but that's still is kind of the big concern if we do make the playoffs is our line good enough to kind of go against these top defenses in playoff football uh we're going to find out on sunday night because it's going to be the first really good test uh against a you know a, you know a great defense even though they've struggled to put pressure on the quarterback uh this year still it's seattle it's this game and it means a lot so we'll see how they hold up but that offense line big question mark for sure well and it really was the week 10 a uh, game for the Seahawks against the 49ers where the pass rush kind of seemed to to turn the key on the ignition a little bit with Jadavian Clowney going off, Jaron Reed working his way back in the lineup. We didn't have him on the defensive line in that first game. We got Shaquem Griffin working into the pass rush. Ziggy Anza finally looking healthy, even though he had a stinger this last week uh, and had to come out of the game late. So hopefully he's doing okay. But it does kind of it feels different for the Seahawks pass rush. And so I that's why I am so curious about that offensive line. And you guys had an opportunity in the offseason to re-sign a guy like Roger Saffold at left guard. And he goes to the Titans, signs a, a, a decent sized deal, four years, uh, what, eleven million dollars per year. I'm I'm curious though. If, mm-hmm. if you had to do it over again, would you have liked to see less need? You know, maybe not sign Clay Matthews, maybe not sign Eric Weddle and keep Saffold at that left guard spot. You know, it's interesting as you, as you pitch the the other side of that coin and, and taking away a couple of those veterans on defense that have been really impactful for us, um, then, you know, it starts to change my answer a little bit. But definitely, I mean, if you talk about going back, we, I mean, from the get go, we never wanted to let him go, at least in our coverage of it. He we thought he was a very vital part. He'd been the most 10 year Ram at the time, uh, along with Johnny Hecker, and, and really thought that he was a core piece of what we were trying to get done, not only on the offensive line, but just in that locker room and and the mentality of, you know, building a championship team, you know, guys that have been there, guys that 
have gone through the losing. Uh, and really, again, being next to Whitworth, having that core of that left side. But they felt really good about the youth that we had in Joe Noteboom and thought he would be a kind of a plug and play guy. Obviously, you can't look into the future and see, you know, torn ACL and MCL. Uh, but yeah, I mean, going back, I wish there was a way and I don't know if it would be taking away from because those defensive contracts, um, you know, for Clay Matthews and Eric Weddle were pretty cheap. So maybe it's not paying Dante Fowler that money and trying to uh, find a different way to get in or even, uh, you know, not paying Jared Goff right now. They didn't need to do that. <laughs> they could have waited. That was, they could have waited. They could have waited. They could, and really, at this point, uh, I think he'd be on clearance right now. So, I mean, there could have been a, a cheaper deal to really even look beyond the future. But for some reason, I don't know if it's going back to the Aaron Donald fiasco of two years having to deal with contracts and holdouts and coming late to basically showing up, you know, the day before a game and saying, okay, I'll play, but I'm not happy. And then paying him the big bucks and seeing what that went through that with Todd Gurley and with, uh, you know, Brandon cooks and Jared Goff and all these guys that they paid before they needed to, uh, if they just kind of said, we don't want to deal with that mess anymore. And we know that the money for quarterbacks are going up. So let's just take care of it. But you know, you really look back and say, man, I wish they could have gone to Jared Goff and said, Hey, we got you on our radar. You're going to get a bunch of money, but we want to protect you so we can make a run multiple years. We want to go pay our offensive line first. Uh, let's see how we can negotiate some things and da 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 da. But, uh, that's all in the past and there's many of things, but I don't know if it would be taken away from our defense. I think it's just kind of waiting on some contracts that didn't need to be done and that could have allowed you to pay some of those guys like Roger Saffold well and it just makes so much sense to me that you know Jared Goff he performed so well when he had the good protection in front of him and some of that is due to retirement some of it is due to injuries this year but I, I just have to think that as a Rams fan you're missing a guy just a solid left guard like Roger Saffold especially seeing some of the injuries this season Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. Roger, come back, man. <laughs> for the playoff push, even though they're with the Titans, man, Tannehill's looking like a $30 million quarterback right now. But, uh, you know, and they have it, an offensive it, line. See, it, it makes all the difference for, for quarterbacks, especially. I mean, Russell Wilson, he had one of his better offensive lines early in his career. And I feel like we're starting to see that group come together now. So it does make such a difference for the quarterback. I think part of the reason Lamar Jackson's having such a good year this year, it's because he has a, a, the top ranked offensive offensive line in front of him. One of the reasons why I think we've seen Carson Wentz kind of come back to the middle of the pack is because Philly has struggled on the offensive line and protecting. So it, it's not shocking to me that seeing Jared Goff struggle a little bit this year and knowing that the, it's it has to do with some of the protection in front of him. Yeah, hundred percent. And thankfully for if you're you've been following the Rams, at least, you know, coming down to this, we talk about this fourth quarter of the season. Uh, they've been playing their better ball that they have almost all season. So they're getting right at the right time. But there still is. You've seen what they've done earlier in the season. You understand some of the troubles they went through. So you're still not very confident in it. But at least uh, from where we've come, we've come a long way. Three and three at home. Bear only two losses on the road. One of those being against Seattle. What do you attribute the home and and road loss disparity to? Yeah, you know what? And I said the other day, I said, you know, I wonder if we can call Roger Goodell and just say, hey, can we play this up in Seattle again? As crazy as that sounds. Yes, please. (laughs) uh, Yeah. As crazy as that sounds, man, looking at our road record, I don't know what it is. And even going back, I mean, Sean McVay in his career has had a really good road record, short career. But um, last year, I think they went eight and one or seven and one or even just undefeated on the road. I can't remember. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they did amazing on the road. There's something uh, that they take with them on the road 
road, this chip on their shoulder that they go into this, you know, us against the world. I don't know if it's, you know, there's people out here that's, oh, well, you know, their home record's not very good because the fans aren't showing up as much. And, you know, you've got a mixed crowd of whether it's 60, 40 uh, or more that, you know, that's going into it. I don't think that's it. I don't know if it's, you know, a certain thing that you really could point to as far as, you know, are they not mentally as prepared as when they're on the road or, you know, have that same mindset. But, you know, Sean McVay talked about in his press conference that just kind of roaming around the locker room before that game in Arizona, that he felt it, that he felt this uh, vibe that they were going to go out there and just, you know, kind of blow them out like they did. So uh, I don't know what we got to do to tap back into that at home. But, yeah, it's been you know, up and down uh, this year at home. And really, I mean, again, talking as everything kind of goes back to us trying to make a run for the playoffs. If anything, we're starting out on the road and in a weird way, that's probably how we how we'd like it this year. So no home advantage for sure. And and weirdly, if you're looking at stats and, and buying into that, we talked about Seahawks being undefeated on the road. Right. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, so- maybe I shouldn't be so quick to jump in to say move the game to Seattle because uh, Seattle is six and oh on the road so far this season. And with their next road victory, it'll be their best in franchise history. Yeah, so we can't allow that to happen. We don't want to start. We don't need to lose, go further, and then help you guys with, you know, franchise records. But, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at the way it lines up, um, you know, there's that matchup. Definitely you would circle as far as, you know, potentially an advantage for Seattle as far as the numbers show, at least. No, you should be looking at this game, Bear, because this is going to be the potential for Pete Carroll to have his 100th regular season win. And for him to get it in the Coliseum, I mean, you'd be rude not to allow that. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'd like to hear that from some USC fans and see how they think about that, because, uh, you know, knowing plenty out here, there's it's a mixed crowd of people that love Pete and and love what he did. Then people that felt that he left them abandoned and, oh, sure. and, you know, with with all the sanctions and everything like that. So, it you know, kind of forgetting about that, that will be an interesting uh, reunion as well out here uh, in the Coliseum where he got had many great experiences and potentially his man, last game there with, with the state with the you know, moving to the new state next year. Very, very true. And and for the hundredth win, all that coming together, I, I'd hate to say it, but I mean, obviously, you know, not today, not, not on Sunday, please. You will have to wait for that. Well, looking at your next four games and that potential of getting into the playoffs for the Rams, you have the Seahawks, Cowboys, you go on the road, obviously Dallas not playing so well down the stretch. Uh, you got 49ers. That's going to be a tough game. That's going to be in Santa Clara. And then you finish at home against the Cardinals. How, what's what's the outlook among Rams fans right now? Well, interesting enough, as we were just talking about us playing well on the road and having this different mindset, it seems like this season, at least two of those games, Dallas on the road, San Francisco on the road, we got blown out by San Fran. I think we just need kind of a a reset button and let's try this again, right? Like we need another opportunity, another crack at a full four quarters of going out there. And hopefully that was the beginning of really having struggles at that offensive line where Jared Goff had 0.4 seconds to do anything. We couldn't get the run game going. So, uh, uh, we we're excited for another opportunity against them. And and you talked about going down to Dallas. We've done it in the past few years. Uh, we've played Dallas, I think, three times in the last four years and won all games, including uh, one down in Dallas, a playoff game last year. So uh, they know that team pretty well. And, and I feel comfortable the way we match up there. Plus, uh, at this point, as you said, Dallas is not looking as strong as you thought they might have, you know, earlier in the season, which is weird because if you look at the records, especially with Dallas and the Rams uh, coming all the way up until last week, uh, every time Dallas lost, the Rams lost. 
Every time they won, they won. They were exactly matching the records along the way. Uh, and we finally broke that when they lost on Thanksgiving. And then we won uh, that Sunday versus Arizona. So someone's got to win that game. And hopefully we can go down there and get that W. Uh, but overall, you know, I kind of like the schedule because you finish with Arizona. So if you get to the very end and you kind of got through the gauntlet, um, McVay 5-0 and versus Arizona. We've outscored them by, uh, I think it's the margin's been 30 to 15 every single time or more. Wow. Uh, so you like that matchup to close the season. You like how we've played them. We've matched up. We've schemed against them. So uh, at least as you're looking at this, especially with the Niners uh, and you guys, how you guys finished the season. Uh, I like our week 17 game, uh, but really it's it's about stacking wins. It starts on Sunday because, you know, if you lose uh, Sunday and if you lose one of those other two games before you get to week 17, doesn't really matter. And you're kind of playing for nothing. So uh, it starts with Sunday getting through there. But I, I don't hate the end of our season even though schedule wise we got the seahawks and the niners and the cowboys and strength the schedule tells us it's a tough road i like some of those matchups well after week three of the season bear everybody was saying that rams cowboys game was going to be a super bowl preview so i i guess you can take that with the end of that game yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it's crazy to see how fast things change oh, they do. Uh, in the NFL from week to week and who's hot and who's not and and what a winning streak can do. And that's what gives you hope near the stretch with four games. And you're thinking, well, the Vikings played pretty well. Well, they could also, you know, uh, just totally fall apart near the end. And anyone really could. And, you know, especially looking at that, you know, the Dallas Cowboys division, it's like who just wants to win it? Someone's got someone's got to go. Someone's got to represent. Uh, we saw the Seahawks a long time ago. I think they were eight and eight representing the nfc west and so i don't seven know to nine. that was that was seven uh, i nine. think it was what 2000 uh it was pete carroll's first year and that was, was beast it? quake wasn't it that was the beast quake year yeah it was yeah. it was the rams and the seahawks playing at essentially what worked amounted to an nfc west championship game in week 17 and it was yeah. charlie whitehurst as the seahawks quarterback filling in for matt wow. hasselbeck and i'm trying to think of who it was for the rams that game but uh, yeah, the Rams I think finished uh, six and ten, and the, Se- and the Seahawks got the win. And or did they finish seven and nine too? And we just had the tiebreaker. I don't know, but yeah. the division winner was seven and nine. It was crazy season, yeah. <laughs> and and that's the way it may come out for the uh, for Dallas or the Eagles. And and you're sitting here uh, with a winning record, uh, you know, seven and five right now, and everyone's going the Rams have fallen off. And you're like, well, just if we played in a different division, we'd be crushing it right now, you know? Like, but it, that's just not the way it is. And and like we started this podcast out, man, it'd be pretty fun. Uh, we've talked over the past couple of years talking about how this NFC West looks like maybe one of the dominant divisions and it hadn't shaken out in the past couple of years and it's starting to look that way and if the Rams can sneak in there and we have three teams it would definitely be good for the division just to look and say hey look what we're doing out here in the west getting things done so well if uh, the Rams can make the playoffs and if they can come up to Seattle maybe we can finally pay back that one season in the playoffs where I, I think the Seahawks I think it was 2004 where the Seahawks had a, a solid team uh, right before the Super Bowl season and I think they lost twice in the regular season and then again in the playoffs to the Rams lost all three games and I, I just I, I want to fix that and have it turn the tables here in 2019. Yeah, three matchups. That would be an interesting one this year. And I think really, you know, even looking back to last year when, you know, we were kind of hoping that Seattle could go down there and and beat Dallas. And that would have been our third rematch up in L.A. and the playoffs couldn't get it done. So someone's got to get this done for, uh, you know, us to see this this three peat matchup that we really want to see, because as we know, the games are always good. And, and again, on Sunday, we expect it to be close and hopefully we can turn the tide on you guys in your one score ball games and uh, pull out a 
victory. Well, Bear, really want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, where can people follow you on social media? And also, if they want to check out your Locked On Rams, Locked On Seahawks crossover with Corbin, where do they go to check it out? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at LA underscore Rambling Bear. That is my personal. Always love interacting, whether you're a Seahawks fan or a Rams fan. I love talking NFL and just looking at the big picture as well. And then uh, Lockdown Rams, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, as well as Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, anywhere you find a, a podcast, we're there. We're doing it five days a week. We just had an awesome crossover, as you mentioned, with Corbin Smith of Lockdown Seahawks. So check that out as well. Uh, we always appreciate you guys listening. And uh, I love these crossovers, Brandon. I was thinking the other day, started podcasting a long time ago uh you guys were our first original crossover that we got to talk to so i'm glad we're here still three four years later talking uh this fun matchup that has kind of kept us entertained in the nfc west and like you said hopefully uh another good one on sunday and potentially if all things work out uh, like to see maybe another time again this season would be fun too always good chatting with you man and i'm i'm actually i'm gonna be rooting for the rams here in a couple weeks when you guys take on the 49ers so uh you know it's it's interesting going down the stretch just how much you can shift your fandom just based on how you want the playoff scenarios to to shift out. We'll take it. We'll take it whenever you uh, want to cheer for us. We'll take it. And like you said, you're right. We'll be, uh, you know, pulling for you along the way, depending on how it helps us as well. So uh, big game on Sunday and we'll have to get through that, but uh, we should get a good one. A big thanks to Bear Motter once again for coming on the show, breaking down the upcoming game against the Rams. So much on the line now going into this final quarter of the season. And if you hop on over to fieldgoals.com, John Fraley has a really nice article breaking down all the possible scenarios that could happen over this four-game stretch. Everything from going 4-0 and to going 0-4 and what that could mean for the Seahawks in terms of the playoff picture. I think the big thing it does illustrate is that if you want the Seahawks to get the number one seed, we, one, either need to see them win out, go 4-0, and and that's still assuming that the Saints will lose one of their last four games against the 49ers, Colts, Titans, or Panthers. And another thing it illustrates is just how likely that Week 17 game is going to matter in terms of getting the two seed or getting the five seed. And if you're looking for more podcasts, check out 3 In, 3 Out with Clinton Bonner and myself earlier in the week. And also there's a new episode of the Seahawkers podcast up. Check that out, seahawkerspodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure and check back in after the Rams and Seahawks game on Sunday night. Go Hawks!